Welcome to the Stonebridge Community Church online worship service. Today you'll hear the Word of God read, the message from this weekend's in-person service, and two songs to guide you in worship. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hello. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'm Pastor John, senior pastor here at Stonebridge. And before we dive into the sermon, I wanted to update everybody. Um, some of you know that we have been pursuing this idea of building an outdoor sanctuary on the undeveloped part of the property here. And on Wednesday, um, our plans were approved by the planning commission of the city. Um, I don't know, was anybody watching local access TV? Anyone? No? You missed it. It was riveting. Um, but just to set expectations, that doesn't mean we are definitely going to be building the project. We're still testing the viability of it. So we're going now to building and safety. We have to deal with seven different departments there. A um, lot more hurdles to go through, and we got to see if it's actually realistic and possible. So this was a big step, but it was not the final step. But I wanted to let you all know that. And you may have seen this in the newsletter, but if you didn't, just be looking around early summer or so. We'll, we're hoping to have some more information by then, um, but we'll see. So like many of us know, city bureaucracies can take much longer than we ever anticipate. But it was a, it was a big moment, so thank you to everyone, those who showed up and were there as well showing support. That was helpful. Um, there was a moment where they were just reading off the cards from people who were in the crowd and just said, support, 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 support over and over again, which I have to think influenced the commissioners in their decisions too. So, so that's exciting news. But for now, we are in this sermon series looking at the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to be looking at Luke between now and around June or so. But this series is just for this week and next week right now. It's entitled Today. That word today shows up in the Gospel of Luke uh, a few times, but it's a key word in the Gospel of Luke. What I think Luke is signifying with the word today is a couple of things. One, it's the immediacy of the salvation that Jesus brings. You don't have to wait until you die to experience salvation. The moment Jesus enters into your life, salvation begins to take hold, and he brings immediacy today in that moment. The other thing I think it signifies is for us as the readers, as we read these stories thousands of years later, it pulls us into it, reminding us that today in the moment we are reading that story, in that very moment, you are experiencing Jesus as well. That today you experience his salvation wherever you are in that moment. So I'm going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26, and I invite you to hear God's word. One day, while Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting nearby. They had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a bed. They were trying to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. When he saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Then the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, Who is this who is speaking blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? 
When Jesus perceived their questionings, he answered them, why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the one who was paralyzed, I say to you, stand up and take your bed and go to your home. Immediately he stood up before them, took what he had been lying on, and went to his home, glorifying God. Amazement seized all of them, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen incredible things today. This is God's word. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, open up our eyes so that we can see incredible things also. Lord, help us to perceive your work in the world, that we would be astonished and amazed. Help us today in this moment to experience you, to know you, and to be able to recognize you in the world. We ask that you speak to us through your scriptures now. Open them up to us, Lord, that we might see you more clearly. We thank you, and in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So I'm not sure what your experience was as I was reading that story, but I know at least a few of you probably thought that sounds pretty familiar, especially if you were with us last year when we were going through the Gospel of Mark, because Mark and Luke have pretty much the same story here. And we read it last year and talked about it last year. In fact, a significant portion of the Gospel of Luke is just the Gospel of Mark rewritten with little changes in it. Sometimes it's almost word for word verbatim, and then sometimes Luke alters a word or changes something small, and sometimes Luke makes pretty big changes. But one of the things that I think you can do is to put those stories alongside each other, and it'll show you at the very least what Luke thought was important. The, the changes that Luke has made, it can highlight for you the emphasis that Luke is trying to bring to the story. So I'm going to actually read for you this story in the Gospel of Mark now also, so you get the same story twice. Lucky you. But here it is from Luke chapter 2. Sorry, Mark chapter 2. Mark tells the story this way. When Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many gathered around that there was no longer room for them, not even in front of the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Then some people came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. And when they could not bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after having dug through it, they let down the mat on which the paralytic lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this fellow speak in this way? It is blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? At once Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were discussing these questions among themselves. And he said to them, Why do you raise such questions in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, stand up and take your mat and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, stand up, take your mat, and go to your home. And he stood up and immediately took the mat and went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So you may have noticed a few differences there. 
I mean, on the one hand, with Luke, the, the scribes and the teachers of the law, they're right there at the beginning of the story. But in Mark, they don't get introduced until halfway through. Also, one other small little change there. In Luke, Jesus calls the paralyzed man friend. In Mark, he calls him son. It's little changes like that. But the one that stood out to me this last week as I was looking at this passage was the response of the crowd. I'm not sure if you noticed it, but in Mark, the crowd says, we have never seen anything like this. And in Luke, it says, today we have seen incredible things. I wonder, why did Luke make that change? Why did Luke record it that way? Why did Luke lift up the response of the crowd that way? It seems so small, but yet Luke clearly decided this was what we needed to hear from the crowd when we would read the story. Now, we'll never know until we're in glory and we can ask Luke, hey, what were you doing there? But I think we can speculate. And not just speculate, I think we can look at some ideas here and get a sense of maybe what Luke was doing. Without knowing for sure, we can still learn from asking that question. Why would Luke make that change? There's a couple things that I see here. First off, I think Luke made the change to introduce that word today into this story. For the reasons that I already mentioned, he wanted people to understand the immediacy that today in that moment, Jesus was bringing salvation and that today for us, we can experience it similarly, that we can see the same things in our own lives as we read the story. So I think that's one of the things Luke was trying to do. But then the other thing that I notice here is that Mark has a crowd saying, we have never seen anything like this. And this is singular. Luke changes it to, we have seen incredible things today. Plural. Now, I don't know if this is what Luke was getting at, but one of the things I experienced noticing that change, when I read the version in the Gospel of Mark, it's easy to just focus on the healing. There's a singular thing. We have never seen anything like this. The thing you end up focusing on is the healing. And I think healings are important. And do we see healings today? I've shared this with you all before. Yes, I think we do. I, I think God does work in that way. I've never seen a healing myself. I've just heard from people that I trust, from doctors who have experienced things that they can't explain. So I think God is working in that way. There's a New Testament scholar named Craig Keener. He's written a two-volume massive work that just catalogs all these different testimonies of healings and miracles. And there's so many across continents that it's hard for me to think that so many people across different cultures with different backgrounds would all be lying in the same way. It just doesn't make sense. So I think God still works in that way, bringing about healings. I think God will still work in people's lives, bringing about those types of healings. But I think it's pretty rare and I also think we can get too focused on that. We can start thinking that the grand, majestic ways that we see Jesus work sometimes is the only way in which God can work. And I think oftentimes we become so familiar with the way God works that we start to lose sight of just how incredible it still is. We become so used to God's work in the world that we stop seeing it as God's work. We use different words. We change our language. 
to downplay God's interventions in the world. The novelist Graham Greene, he wrote a book called The Power and the Glory. In this novel, he sets it in Mexico in 1930s in the Tabasco region. And it tells the story of a priest who's going around trying to encourage people in faith. But in the 1930s, in the Tabasco region, in Mexico, a communist regime was running things. So these soldiers are chasing this priest. He has to do this in secrecy. And at one point, he gets caught. And he has this dialogue with this communist commander. And the soldier says this to him, I can't think how a man like you can believe in those things, referring to miracles. The Indians, yes, why the first time they see an electric light, they think it's a miracle. And the priest responds this way. And I dare say the first time you saw a man raised from the dead, you might think so too. It isn't a case of miracles not happening. It's just a case of people calling them something else. Can't you see the doctors around the dead man? He isn't breathing anymore. His pulse has stopped. His heart's not beating. He's dead. Then somebody gives him back his life. And they all, what's the expression? Reserve their opinion. They won't say it's a miracle because that's a word they don't like. Then it happens again and again, perhaps, because God's about on earth. And they say, these aren't miracles. It is simply that we have enlarged our conception of what life is. Now we know you can be alive without pulse, breath, heartbeats. And they invent a new word to describe that state of life. And they say science disproved a miracle. What he's getting at there is that sometimes we become more used to a way in which God might work. That we start to not see it as the work of God. And we use different words. We categorize it. We become used to it. And then we go about our lives and we miss the way God was working the entire time. I think sometimes the difference between credible and incredible can simply be a matter of perspective. And when you look at this story here, where Luke tells us that the crowd saw incredible things that day, and when you have that in mind and you look a little bit past just the healing, I think you see a number of other incredible things that are remarkable that can only be God at work in the world. I mean, think about the faith of these friends that we see here. Four people who are willing to carry somebody across town to Jesus. Have any of you tried to carry somebody? People are heavy, okay? Even a smaller person, over time, carrying them is heavy. It's hard. They move around. It makes it harder. You can imagine that by the time they get to Jesus, their forearms would be burning. And then they arrive there, and they realize they're not going to get their friend to Jesus, but do they stop? No. They go up on the roof, and they lower them down through the roof. And I got to say, the homeowner probably thought this was pretty incredible, too, <laughs> what was going on to his roof. But that faith is incredible. Their willingness to go to those lengths for their friend, it's so incredible that that's what Jesus remarks on. That's what Jesus sees, and it prompts him to heal. 
That's incredible right there. And that's God at work. Another thing that we see here is the release of sins. It's translated as forgiveness of sins, but the Greek word there is also release. And I think that's important because I don't think what Jesus is saying here is that this paralyzed person sinned and then was paralyzed because of that sin and now they're forgiven and they're not paralyzed anymore. I don't think that's what's going on. I think when Jesus is talking about sin, he's not talking about just behavior here. He's talking about sin as the oppressive force that it is. Sin as the disease that infects each and every one of us, that manifests itself in different ways. So when Jesus releases the sin, he's releasing an oppression that this paralyzed person was experiencing. So it's not just the physical healing here, but there's something deeper there. And that's God at work, and that's incredible. And the authority of Jesus that we see here, his ability to command the forces of evil in the world, to cast them out, to tell them they no longer have a say in this man's life, that is incredible also, and that's the work of God. And just Jesus' very presence. The fact that as we know in the Gospel of Luke, this is the Son of God, and here he is interacting with people, responding to them, engaging with them. That's incredible as well. And I think the thing that stands out the most to me, though, is the level of restoration here. Jesus says to this man, get up and go to your home. Reclaim your life. Reclaim what is yours. Go back and live. Go to your home. And he does so. In the Gospel of Mark, I think, it's just, we're just told that he gets up and he goes around and everyone's praising God. But in the Gospel of Luke, Luke tells us this man followed Jesus' instructions. He went to his home. You see that restoration there. You see him being given back his life. And that is incredible. And that is the work of God. So I think when you realize that there were multiple things there that were incredible, it makes it easier to see them. And I think it's true for our lives as well. I mean, how many of you, when you step back, can think of somebody whose faith has been so strong in your own life that there's been moments that they carried you through a difficult time, through a time when your own faith was faltering? That's the work of God in your life, and that is an incredible thing to acknowledge. How many of you can think of a time when you or somebody else had a sin that was weighing you down, something that was oppressing you, that was holding you back, and then you experienced release? You experienced forgiveness in such a deep way that you were able to not just be forgiven, but to walk away from that behavior, from whatever it was that was holding you down. That's the work of God in your life, and that is incredible. I mean, how many of you have experienced the presence of Jesus in a moment? An urging inside of you, a feeling that rises up that can only be the Holy Spirit. That's the work of God in your life, and that is incredible. Incredible things are still happening all around us today. And God is at work in the world. In that novel, The Power and the Glory, one of the things that I love about that passage is the line that that priest says, that this happens over and over again. People are brought back to life over and over again. Even though they were dead by any definition, they're brought back to life. And then he says, and it happens again and again because God is about on earth. I think sometimes in the way we talk about our lives, the way we look at things, we forget that God is about on earth. 
that God is at work. God is moving around. The incredible things that come in the presence of Jesus, they're happening around us all the time. But if we just focus on something that's dramatic and big and grand, we will miss out on seeing the work of God, acknowledging it for what it is. So I don't know if that's what Luke was doing by changing it from singular to plural here. But I know it's a lesson that each of us can live with, can grow from. And I know that if our eyes are open, we can see God more at work in our lives. We can be strengthened and encouraged. Sometimes we miss God's work because we're downtrodden. Sometimes we miss God's work because we're we're bored and we're not able to look up and see it. Sometimes we miss it because we're so busy just going about our lives. But incredible things are happening around us constantly all the time because God is about on earth. Please pray with me. Lord, you are involved in this world. You love this world more than we can ever understand. And you are at work in ways that we overlook far too often. Lord, open up our eyes that we might experience your blessings even more. Help us to see the incredible things that you are doing around us at all times, Lord. Help us to witness the restoration that this man experienced all those years ago. And help us to see it today. Lord, you are about on earth, walking about, moving about, working in this world. Help us to see it that we might become part of it, Lord, that we might experience your blessings and share those with others.
Oh 